with that, I want to introduce our, our speaker today. Rudy, why don't you come on up? Rudy, um, I'll let you, in, I'm going to let you introduce, you'll be able to introduce yourself more effectively. They already know who you are, man, because of your podcast. No, um, so this is my friend and brother, Rudy, and he pastors in LA, and man, I love this brother, and I'm excited for him to bring the word. He's a man of God, he loves the word of God, and I'm just, I'm honored to be able to just sit under his teaching here this morning. So let me pray for him, and I'm going to let him uh, bring the word for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my brother in Christ who is laboring in the city. And I know that you love the city because you have your people in the city and you are going after them. Lord, may you draw sinners to yourself by your amazing and sovereign grace. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd be with my brother as he opens the word and, and brings it to us. And I pray you would lead him and guide him in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Israel. Good morning, branches. That was kind of weak. Y'all got free coffee back there with nice coffee cups. Good morning, branches. It's Pastor Israel said, my name is Rudy Rubio. I am the husband of Edna, father to Gabby, Esteban, and Diego, and Natalia. I am father-in-law to Pablo and grandfather to Isabella. I'm a good friend of Pastor Israel, Elder Stephen, some of your other elders in leadership. And um, you know how often when you meet people, people want to give you like their best their best up front, right, to impress you and all that? Yeah, that's not me. I really want myself and your church to become friends and partners in the ministry. Um, I really want us to be able to collaborate, you guys from Orange County, us from L.A., uh, to always just do the Lord's work. Amen? Uh, so instead of giving you my best, I'm just going to tell you who I am and show you all the ugly so you can see just what God has done and how powerful he is and just know that it gets better from here. Cool? Uh, I'm a faithful believer in our Lord Jesus, sold out for Christ, redeemed, and if I could tell you with as much certainty as possible, I've been saved for about 11 years and 10 months. Long story, you can ask me that after church. Uh, know that I'm also a church planter at Reformed Church of Los Angeles, where we serve the communities of Linwood, Compton, and Watts. Did you see how easy it was for me to introduce myself and to tell you who I was? Yeah? It hasn't always been that way. It's easy to share my identity and tell you who I am, but that hasn't always been the case. I didn't always know who I was, but most importantly, I didn't know whose I was. As I mentioned, I'm a church planter. Most of you should be familiar with that term because Branches is a church plant. And it's really hard starting a new church, you know. It's kind of like opening up a business with almost no money, but yet you need money to stay in business, but you sell no products and offer no services in exchange. Hashtag the struggle is real, right? Um, I haven't always been a church planter. Heck, I haven't always been a Christian. And you couldn't tell just by looking at me. But um, I was raised in the city of Huntington Park, ran around the streets of Watts and Compton and South Central. I started going to jail when I was really young at about the age of 13. See, I was a latchkey kid. I had a lot of unsupervised time at home. It wasn't really the best situation for young impressionable kid that just wanted to fit in anywhere. It didn't matter where, just wanted to fit in. In junior high, I got straight A's, and I just really wanted to always get my parents' affirmation. Uh, I ended up getting that from a local street gang. Uh, it wasn't um, the ideal situation, but they gave me love, they gave me care, they gave me respect, they gave me concern, and they asked me how my day went, and I really appreciated that. I became a junkie for the attention. I always wanted people to want me to be around them. Uh, and I developed an identity of, of being popular, of being a thug, and, 
and not afraid of anything. My reputation grew on the streets. It grew in prison even more because I've given over 10 years of my life to prison. Uh, but God saved me from that. God saved me from 18 stab wounds and seven gunshots. He brought me back from Mexico after having lived there as a fugitive on the run for many years. But we know that God is sovereign. Amen? For the, uh, besides the two people that answered, like, we know that God is sovereign, right? God is sovereign. And that's where I met my wife and my kids. We started our family. Uh, but during one of my many prison terms, my wife became a Christian. Uh, and when I got out, I really hated her Christian brothers and sisters. Like, I really hated them because they were always in my house eating up all my food. And they always had this really dumb smile on their face, like, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, are they laughing at me? But I'd come to find out, sorry, I'm having a hard time with this microphone. I'd come to find out afterwards that it was the joy of the Lord, right? And, and now I can't stop smiling. Like, I have that dumb smile, and I'm so grateful that God gave me something so small, and it seems so insignificant, but I love the Lord. And, and I want to be able to share my story along with his story and what that looks like for us today. Amen? Uh, I remember getting baptized when I got out of prison. I really wanted to make a change in my life, but I was struggling so much to break away from that old lifestyle. Uh, during my last prison sentence, I became a Christian, and I haven't put my Bible down since. Sorry, I'm, I'm having a really hard time with this thing. The enemy's trying to get over on me, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, can I? Is this okay? Is it on? So where was I at? Who was paying attention? Nobody. That's so bad. <laughs> During my last time in prison, right, I became a Christian. I haven't put my Bible down since. And if you remember at the beginning how long I've been saved, it's been about 11 years and 10 months. Amen? Uh, the Lord led my family and I to reform church, and I was quickly discipled. After some time, I became an elder. I was challenged to plant a church, and I told my pastor, no, sir, you must get drug tested. I will never be a pastor, let alone a church planner. You must be crazy. That's just not me. And well, here we are today. I'm a church planter and a pastor by the grace of God. I wish I could tell you that my life as a church planter, as a Christian, has been easy. It has not. It's like I don't really fit in any place specific. Like I'm too Christian for some people. I'm too theological for other crowds. And for most, I'm just way too hood for them, right? Uh, I also found out that, that some of the same things that gang members do on the street also happens in prison it also happens in the church christians do those things in the church like sometimes they'll turn their back on you sometimes they'll they'll knife you in the back and spread gossip and cause dissension and discord and division and, and then betray you you name it the difference now is how do i handle those things how do you handle those things when things like that happen i know it can be hard you see folks don't understand i may be saved but i am from the south side of the kingdom, right? So today I want to share a story with you out of the Gospel of Mark in chapter 5. And I'm sure you've heard it many times before, but I hope that today you can see it through my eyes and identify not just myself, but yourself. Because I pray that you too are this gentleman that we'll be reading about today. Amen? With that said, I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. I'm going to read the whole story to you guys. And I don't really know if this is a habit you have here, Pastor Israel and Steve, but can I ask you all to stand for the reading of the Lord's word? In body or in spirit, if you're not able to stand, please join us by standing in spirit. 
Let me get an amen when you're at Mark 5, verse 1. Amen. And the word of God reads as following. They came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerasenes. And as soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs, and no one was able to restrain him anymore, not even with the chain. Because he often had been bound with shackles and chains, but had torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, on the mountains he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him, and he cried out with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For he had told them, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name, he asked them. My name is Legion, he answered, because we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the region. A large herd of pigs was there, feeding on the hillside, and the demons begged him, send us into the pigs so that we may enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. The herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. The men who tended them ran off, reported in the town and the countryside, and people went to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs. Then they began to beg him to leave the region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. Jesus did not let him but told him, go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we love you. Your word says that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you that in the midst of our lack of fidelity to you, you continue to be remain faithful to us at all times. Bless us with your word this morning that we would all be challenged, encouraged, and inspired by what we hear today. May your Holy Spirit speak in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated, family. So friends, every time I read the story, like I said, I promise you, it is hard for me to just think of somebody named Legion who lived 2,000 years ago. I really see me. I was that man. I am that man. We see here in verse 2 that, that as soon as Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately this demon-possessed man runs out to meet Jesus. Now, I don't know if he thought he was going to victimize Jesus, if he was going to try to rob him or what. We're talking about some crazy demon-possessed guy. But whatever was going to happen that night, it didn't, at least not the way he thought. We're told that this man lived in the tombs. Who lives in the tombs? You can't even get a kid to go there on Halloween night, right, on a dare. Like, who goes into the tombs? But this guy lived there. He didn't live in society. He didn't live on the outskirts or the edges of society. He lived as far away from society as possible, where no one would go for fear of being unceremonially clean. 
by touching the dead. Yet this dude made it his home. We see that he was so wild that they'd already tried to bind him with chains and shackles, and he would find a way to break them. To be more specific, it says in verse 4 that he broke the shackles in pieces. Now, I don't know how many of y'all go to the gym or think you got that kind of strength, right? But think about what it takes to break shackles to pieces. How strong must he have been? No one was able to subdue him or restrain him. He was on a mission of self-destruction. Night and day he would roam the tombs, cutting himself, it said. Maybe he was trying to alleviate the pain. Maybe it was the demons trying to hurt him. I don't know, but when he saw Jesus from far off, he came running like the wild man that he was, a demon-possessed man stronger than anyone there, and he ran up on our Savior, and he immediately fell to his feet, and he cried out. Jesus, what do you have to do with me, son of the most high God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. What does this show us? That even the demons recognized who Jesus was. Amen? Even the demons recognized who he was. And check this. It says that, that when Jesus asked him for his name, listen to the response. He says his name is Legion, for there are many. He doesn't say his name is Jose or Bob or whatever name was common to that cultural community at that time. He said his name was Legion. Jesus didn't ask him, how many demons are inside of you? He asked him his name, but he couldn't answer. I wonder how many of us tend to identify, get lost in our identity because we still identify with those things that we've done wrong. We still identify with our past and all the negativity in our lives instead of all the good things like being followers of Christ. I want to be completely transparent with you. One of my biggest struggles ever in life was not something that you would think of after you heard just a piece of my story. It wasn't the gang affiliation. It wasn't the drugs. It wasn't not being able to get a job because of my criminal record. It wasn't trying to restore my marriage after I had gotten out of prison because it was on the verge of divorce. It wasn't even trying to manage a family with a minimum wage paying job while I was going to school. It wasn't all the time I spent in prison or being a fugitive on the run, my biggest struggle ever was not knowing who I was. My biggest struggle was not knowing my identity. At the age of 13, I had to convince myself that I was no longer Rudy. I got jumped into this gang, and I, I had to build up this facade and this fake personality of who I thought or I wanted the world to believe I was. I was on a mission of self-destruction. I was no longer this chubby nerd who got bullied by everybody. I created a new identity. I internalized it and continued to make it up as I went along. I'd finally become this thug that I wanted the world to believe who I was. I was feared and respected on the streets. I was on that mission of self-destruction. I ended up being a fugitive in Mexico for about five or six years, assumed my great-grandfather's identity. That's a whole other story. But when I came back to the US six years later, I had to take on my old identity again, the one that I had abandoned many years before, and I didn't know who that was. And when I became a Christian, I really didn't know who I was. I had been changing so many times in my life trying to please people that I really had 
no idea who Rudy was anymore. The person I pretended to be no longer existed, but who am I now? I remember telling my wife that when I walked away from the gang, I felt like a coward because Christians are looked upon as being weak in the world I came from. And I said, I feel like a coward, like I can't protect you or my family anymore. She said, are you crazy? That's the bravest thing you've ever done for us. It was a really dark time for me as a Christian and not knowing who I was. I knew what I was, but I didn't yet quite know who I was or whose I was. I remember reading my Bible day and night, and one day I found out that my identity was in Christ. I remember reading in Ephesians 1.5 that I was a beloved son of God, that according to the purpose of God's will, he predestined me for adoption to himself as a son through Christ. Like me? Like God had a plan for me? After all the stuff that I'd done? That's what Ephesians 1.5 told me. I read in Romans 8.15 that I'd received a spirit of adoption as a son. I had found out who I was. I was his. I had always belonged to him. I just didn't know it. Everything started to make sense to me. Things, things were different. I was, I was reading the word, and it was starting to come together, and I was getting the big picture of what was happening in the scripture. It was awesome. Did our buddy Legion find out who his identity was? Did he find out what his purpose was? Let's go back to the scripture. It says that the demons asked to be sent out into a herd of pigs. And Jesus says, go, go for it. They go into the sea and they drown and, and all the herdsmen get upset because 2,000 of their pigs are now drowned. No ham, no bacon, Steve, no pork chops, no money. It's all gone, right? And they start to tell everybody what had happened. And next thing you know, you've got a major traffic jam on the 91 East with all kind of looky-loos trying to see what is happening and what is going on. And when they come to Jesus, they also see this man who had been running around naked, cutting himself, stronger than everybody around there, breaking chains and shackles. This demon-possessed guy. But they see him clothed and in his right mind. And the Bible says that, that they were scared. They, they were afraid. H how did this happen? How did this guy change from from who he was until who he was sitting in front of them now, clothed and in his right mind. I remember when I first became a pastor, I was on staff at, a, at my previous church, and I would always be out there before services, after services. It was a really big church, shaking people's hand and greeting them. And I remember one day as I'm standing there, I seen this old, ball-headed OG Cholo walk up with tattoos all over his arms, right? Looked nothing like me. And, and when our eyes crossed, right, he saw me and he just got pale. I looked at him and I said, Weasel, what's up? His name was, was Big Hector, but he went by Weasel on the streets. Here he was coming to church for the very first time in his life, trying to change it, trying to get things back in order. And the very first thing he sees is somebody from his past. And he was scared. And he says, what are you doing here? I said, I work here. He's like, you're a Christian? I was like, yeah. He said, how long? I don't know what he thought, but he asked how long I was. I said, I'm a pastor. I thought for sure he was going to pass out. He couldn't believe I was a Christian. He couldn't believe I was a pastor. 
he was generally afraid. Not, not of me, like I was going to do something. But he couldn't believe that the person sitting in, standing in front of him was the same guy that he had ran around and did so much dirt with on the street. I want to tell you that Weasel, Big Hector, is still connected to the church to this day. He does family worship with his kids and his grandkids. He has a successful business for the glory of God and does all kinds of amazing work in the community. It's beautiful to see that this Legion guy still exists today in all of our different communities. Amen? I run into people from my past, and oftentimes uh, I've even felt like I belong in the circus. Well, they'll walk up and like look at me like, is he really a Christian? But I've had the opportunity to lead people in Bible studies, to disciple them, to baptize them, and lead them towards Christ. And it's like, you're using me, Lord? I don't know who you identify with or who you think your identity is. But your identity is in Christ. I love the words that Elder Steve gave when he was talking about the Lord's Supper. Right? We, we, we read the word together. We sang the word together. We're listening to the preach word together. We, we partook of the word at communion. Like, like, this is a big deal. Jesus is a big deal. He changes people. He changes lives. The, 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 the power of the transformative power of the gospel is just like, it's something amazing. But can we get back to the garrisons? You okay with that? We see that the people see the awesome power of Christ. You figure that they must want to embrace him, right? Like after all the good things he did, he just restored this guy's life. They must want him to hang out with him and, and, and kick it with him and learn from him. But that, that wasn't the case. Verse 17 says that, that they began to beg him to leave the region. They were, they were begging him to leave. Like, get out of here, Jesus. We don't want you here. They must have really been scared. So what happens? Let's listen to how it ends. As Jesus was getting into the boat to leave, the man who was once demon-possessed, who was now clothed and in his right mind, he wants to go with Jesus. He wants to follow him. He wants to walk with him. But Jesus said no. He said, go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. It says, so he went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And it says that they were all amazed. I wonder how many churches were planted because of this man. It says he went to the Decapolis. That means ten cities. I wonder how many people came to faith because of this man that was, that was sharing the testimony of what God had done in his life. After having been at an established church for eight years, and supporting church planters and church planting efforts, I started to feel God calling me to plant a church. I was scared, y'all. Like, I didn't know what he was creating, what he was doing, but he was something inside of me burning to start thinking about planting a church. But the idea of leaving the familiar, of leaving comfort, of leaving safety, and heading back to where I came from to tell my friends and family what great things God had done was, was appealing, but it was scary. Telling people what the Lord had done for me and having had mercy on me was something that I knew I needed to do, but I didn't want to do because I was scared. But I knew that's what I needed to do. But where do we go? Where should we move to? Where should we plant this church? How do we even begin to start doing what the, God, what the Lord has called us to do? It started with prayer. It started with prayer. It started with long conversations with my wife and kids. And they're such a blessing. My wife and my kids are such a blessing. 
My wife said from day one, I got your back. And the kid said, without a doubt, Dad, we know this is what God wants. And we left security, we left comfort to go back into the hood to plant a church. We started to make our trek back to where we used to live in Linwood, only instead of the Linwood Watts side, now we moved into the Linwood Compton side. We were becoming a family on mission, opening up our home to discipleship, teaching people in the community about God, and introducing them to sound theology and modeling out how to live that out practically. Jesus said to go and tell my friends what great things God had done and how he's had mercy. Branches, you are my friends, whether you like it or not. And I'm really glad to be here with you today. Please know that I'm, I'm really grateful to be connected with y'all. Pastor Israel is a breath of fresh air in my life. When sometimes I want to go back to being a thug, he tells me some of the stuff y'all have gone through, and it reminds me that I'm not alone. It reminds me that we're called to suffer for the sake of the gospel. It reminds me that there are many faithful preachers and teachers out there, and behind every one of them is a great team like y'all. Let me remind you that the same God that you love and believe in is the same God that stepped out onto that, from that boat when Jesus stepped out. The same God that stepped out of the boat when Legion fell at his feet is the same God who sent his son into the very world that he created to live as we did, to be tempted in every way we have yet not sin. He lived the perfect life that we never could, and he didn't just tell us to do it, he actually modeled it out for us. And while we were still enemies, while we were still his enemies, he showed his love for us by going to the cross and dying the death that he didn't deserve that we did. By taking our place and paying for the sins of his people, he suffered one of the most horrible deaths ever recorded in history. He was buried and raised on the third day, as he predicted, as he called it, and hundreds of people saw the risen Christ, and then he ascended into heaven in front of many witnesses. Y'all know this story? I'm sure you hear it quite often, right? But let me remind you again. He is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Well, he will reign with him in the Holy Spirit forever and ever. This is the same God that brought us here this morning. Let us never forget his mercies because they are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Branches, you too are called to believe in this Jesus. You too are called to follow him. And you too are called to tell your friends what great things God has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Amen? You too are called to share in this evangelistic work, to let folks know that they are in need of a savior, to let folks know that they've committed crimes against the holy God and, and are under his wrath. That's pretty easy stuff, right? It's not. It's complicated stuff. But you know what, though? You are called to be so radically different that folks who knew you before Christ would be scared of who you've become in Christ. We are new creatures in Christ. His shed blood cleanses us. We are grafted into the body of Christ, and we're no longer just creations of God. We're children of God. And that's something that we celebrate every single day. And to see the people of God come together and worship and lift holy hands and pray and partake of the Lord's Supper and extend the peace of Christ, and hang out and do community. And I love your words, Pastor Israel, where if something happens, your branch group is going to be the first one to reach out to you. That's church. We don't just come to church on Sundays. We are the church. Amen? 
In the same way this dude in the story was sent by Jesus to tell his friends and family, so must you. No Christian is exempt from sharing the gospel. No one gets a free pass. We are all called to evangelize. We are all called to share the gospel. Branches, who are you telling? Who are you telling the great things that that the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on your life? Who are you telling the story of Christ to? Who are you telling that they're under God's wrath because because of the sin in life? People think that being a Christian is one of the easiest things ever. It's so hard. Anybody ever pull you out of your Christian walk, know which buttons to push? You got to just kind of put your hands in your pocket and walk away because you know what you're capable of doing if you don't? Or is it just me? Who are you telling the beautiful message of the gospel of Christ? Who are you loving enough to make them think about their eternity? I promise you, they're not easy conversations but they are very necessary ones. In the same way Christ stepped out of this boat to this demon-possessed man, Christ steps into our lives every day. We cannot come to the creator of all things and leave the same way when we came. This guy was so radically different that the people in the town were afraid. May we be the same. May we not be one day, one way in church on Sunday and completely and radically different Monday through Saturday that people would know that we are believers of Christ in our workplaces, in our communities, in the schools, and at the checkout stand. That we would have that dumb smile I talked about, right? Because God is just so good to us. Branches, who are you telling? No one gets a pass. You cannot say you're a believer of Christ and keep it to yourself. It is the greatest news ever. Don't just share the best restaurant that you picked up on Yelp. Share Christ and worship him because he is worthy. Amen? Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we love you, Lord, for who you are. We love you for the transformative power of the gospel and what that means to our lives every day. Lord, thank you for my friends and family here at Branches. Thank you for the story of Legion and the Gerasenes and and how you so radically changed his life that people were scared May that be the same for us. In the same way that Legion went out to the 10 cities to proclaim what you had done for him, may we take that story to our homes and workplaces as well. That we would share what you've done, who you are, but we wouldn't just share our story, that we would share your story and what that means for us today. In Christ's name we pray, amen.